Welcome to The Couple Collective. I'm your host, Julian Lewis. Every week, we're going to bring you stories from couples to understand their path to making their relationship work. Drop that beat. Heal your half and you're going to be happy. If you can heal that part of you, then you're going to be ready for a relationship without fear, without need. That's from Don Miguel Ruiz, author of The Mastery of Love. In today's episode, I want to talk about my interpretation of that quote and how the book as a whole has had an impact on my approach to relationships. I first learned about The Mastery of Love from one of my close homies, KB. Shout out to KB. He and I were at brunch and we were discussing relationships in general. He had just gone through a breakup and I was in between a breakup and getting back together with an ex. I was describing to him the reasons why we broke up. Okay, so there were many reasons, but I think the basic premise was that she thought that I was not being supportive and that I was being controlling. When she would have an issue, I would always have a solve, but it wasn't necessarily the approach that she wanted to take. In my opinion, she was constantly complaining about the same things and not taking action. And so when I would provide a suggestion and she wouldn't take action on it, I would get angry. It was a constant back and forth of her being angry or disappointed or sad and me not being supportive. Kyle didn't necessarily take her aside, but he did introduce me to the mastery of love. And I think the quote that we opened the podcast with summarizes it in a nutshell. Heal your half and you're going to be happy. If you can heal that part of you, then you're going to be ready for a relationship without fear, without need. What I've learned from that conversation and the many times that I've read this book is that in order for you to be ready for a relationship, you have to be complete yourself. You have to be happy. You have to be in control of what you are doing on a day-to-day basis to make yourself happy. That's one. Two, I also learned that even if I'm 100% happy, no matter how much I bring to a relationship, my part is only going to be worth 50%. And the only thing I can do is be supportive. I can't expect the blueprint that made me happy will work for them. And also, if they're having a bad day, they come home from work and they want to vent and it seems like they're taking it out on me, instead of fighting fire with fire, sometimes it just helps to be ear or be a punching bag and just listen and let them work out that issue that they're having on their own. Because again, My blueprint for happiness is not going to be the same as theirs. And yes, I mean, of course, if they ask for help or they ask for a suggestion, you know, provide guidance, but let them take what you're providing. Let them take what their best friend's providing or their family's providing and let them come up with their own decision. The minute you try to control their decision, you know, that's when a relationship spirals and really can fall apart. In any breakup that I've had in the past, I most definitely take responsibility for my part. I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I'm doing this podcast. I I don't know yet. I'm trying to learn, and I want to learn from other couples. And I think it's only fair that in this format that I share my stories and my progress over time. And I'll plan to do that on a regular cadence. You know, maybe monthly I'll do a recap of the progress that I've made. But for this episode, you know... I talked a lot about happiness and, you know, being able to be happy to be able to contribute that full 50%. And I think that for me, 
personally, I'll talk about my relationship now and, and where it is and how I felt prepared to actually enter it. But, you know, part of being happy is really understanding who you are. And I talked about in the intro episode how important mental health is. You know, I spoke to a therapist for two to three years. And in all honesty, like it, it was to be an app. And, you know, some people have their opinions on whether that is as effective. I don't know. In my opinion, it was effective for me. I had a dedicated person I could talk to on a weekly basis and we communicated via text and I'm a millennial. So that was, uh, that's the way in which I communicate on a regular basis. Anyway, it was an opportunity for me to just let my thoughts out, like talk about where I thought I was doing well, where I thought I was not doing well. And for her to give me, you know, general feedback, general guidance, again, not to create a blueprint, but to give me some suggestions on approaches that I could take to really get myself to a good place. As a close second to mental health, I also think that being in good physical shape helps. I mean, it's not just for appearances. It's how you feel, the energy that it brings to you. Um, And for me, I played sports growing up. Football, basketball were my jams. And in college, I continued to work out, but I was kind of like bulking up. It's neither here nor there, not important to the story. But the point is, for a long time, I was having a hard time really identifying the workout that really worked for me. And when I lived in Boston for a period of time, I discovered boxing. And it was during a hard time when, you know, I had moved across the country for a girl and we broke up. And yeah, I <laughs> I think you'll learn that I've been in a lot of relationships that haven't worked out. But, you know, I was in this relationship. It didn't work out. And I was 3,000 miles away from my family and my closest friends. And I think the hardest part for me was, okay, what do I do? Sink or swim kind of mentality. Do I stay here in Boston or do I move back, take the easy way out and and move back to home where my parents are? And ultimately I decided to stay. And, you know, I discovered boxing via a gentleman named um, Boston Tweet. Shout out to Tom. But he tweeted about an event in the city called Haymakers for Hope. Um, an organization that's really near and dear to my heart, um, helped to raise money for cancer research, um, specifically for Dana-Farber back in Boston. And it was their first annual event. They were looking for fighters. And I was like, man, I mean, I've never really tried boxing. I had a lot of pent-up aggression. And I thought, you know, I can get three things out of this. I can, you know, one, get in some really kick-ass shape. Two, support an amazing cause. And three, you know, maybe I'll meet some people. Maybe I'll meet some 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 people that I can build a relationship from a friendship perspective. And, and that's ultimately what got me into boxing. And so anytime that I'm having a hard time and, you know, I want something a little bit more than just the mental health aspect, you know, when I want to get back in shape, you know, I turn to boxing. Through Haymakers for Hope, I most definitely checked all three boxes. You know, at the time I was in killer shape, the organization has done an amazing job you know, seven years later, raising over eight and a half million dollars for cancer research. And also, you know, I met some really great people. You know, I still communicate with the fighters that I trained with. One in particular has become one of my best friends. Shout out to Christian. And, you know, he ultimately helped me land a job in Boston that ultimately took me back to the West Coast to be closer to my family and friends. So boxing along with therapy are the two things that I feel like get me to a a happy place because I'm focused, I understand, you know, what I want, or I have a better understanding of, of what I want or what makes me happy, and I'm able to work towards that. So, you know, after leaving the company that I moved to San Francisco with, 
I was taking on a new challenge, a new job where I was going to be working with some really brilliant people. And I knew that in order for me to perform, I had to have all cylinders running. The therapy sessions were in full effect, so I, I needed to bring boxing back. This was at the tail end of the relationship that had ended and then rekindled um, and was about to end again. So my focus was really in just being in a strong mental place to perform well at my job. And, you know, the relationship didn't work out, but it, in all honesty, it was a blessing in disguise. I signed up for this four-week boxing boot camp, and for the first three weeks, I was in that relationship still. But my focus this time wasn't on checking three boxes. It was really on just making sure that I was in a good mental and physical state so I could perform well at my new job. Now, at the boot camp, you know, it was a group of about 20 of us or so. And, you know, because of such a small class, you did become friendly with some people. And there was this one girl in particular who was a go-getter in class. She always had to be at the front of the line when we had to run around the block, and she was always the first one done running. And so after, I think, the second or third day, nobody wanted to line up next to her. Now, again, four-week boot camp, five days a week. So it was a lot of time with these people at 6 o'clock in the morning. And so after the first couple of days when nobody would step up to stand next to her in line and try to race her around the block, I stepped up. You know, I was focused on getting myself back into that physical shape so I can be ready mentally to take on my new job. And, you know, the weird thing is, is that for the first three weeks, like, like I said, like I was not focused on meeting anybody. I was just focused on Julian and that was it. Um, but once my relationship ended with my ex, I again was like, okay, Julian, this is your opportunity to be single for an extended period of time and really focus on yourself. However, there was this one girl in class, the one that was always at the front of the line, who was very attractive and she was very athletic, very much into sports, and it was Memorial Day. Only four people showed up to class. Yes, we still had it at 6 a.m. on Memorial Day, and only four people showed up. Me, her, and two other people whose faces I can't even remember. But the long of the short is that the Warriors were playing that game that day. It was Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals, OKC with Kevin Durant versus the Golden State Warriors, and I was going to watch the game with friends. I thought this would be a cool opportunity for me to just extend an invite and get to know her a little bit better with no intentions of falling into a relationship. I picked her up in an Uber. And again, I had only seen her at 6 a.m. in, you know, Lululemon gear and her hair up in a ponytail. And she was attractive to me then, but, you know, she stepped out. She's wearing this, like, mustard yellow jacket, these, like, Nike kicks that um, had a little heel on them. And I was like, okay, okay. Um, and, you know, from there, you know, we've been hanging out ever since. Now, with my approach to this relationship, it was much different than other ones that I had in the past because I felt like I was very open and upfront at the beginning. I was like, listen, I just got out of a long-term relationship that, you know, went a little bit back and forth where we broke up, got back together, and now we broke up again. And so I wasn't necessarily ready to pull the trigger. However, you know, I think just getting to know her very quickly in a short period of time, like, and I felt like I was also in like a really good place that I can contribute my 50%. It just worked. And it's one of those things where when people ask like, you know, when am I going to find the right person? You know, when is it going to happen for me? It, it just happens. You know, you know, you can meet anybody in any moment, right? But you have to be ready. You have to have yourself in a good place to be ready to accept that other person. And I think for me, that's the way in which it happened. 
Um, you know, and it turned out that she had a crush on me, you know, well before I'd asked her out to that game. And, you know, if she would have asked me out within the first couple of weeks of the class, it wouldn't have worked out because I was in a relationship and I'm sure there would have been some sort of awkward exchange. But, you know, luckily for us, you know, she refrained, which I don't know how she was able to do that. <laughs> Just kidding. But she refrained and, you know, it worked out and we've had like a great relationship to this point. And, you know, she's met my family. I've met her family. We've spent a lot of time with each other and each other's families. And, you know, we come from very similar backgrounds. There are still those moments where, you know, we, we argue or we disagree about things, but I feel like I'm doing my best to, you know, really let her work things out when she's having a hard time and let her be herself. And I'm trying my best to continue to be me. And, you know, I want to continue to go on this journey of learning from other couples because, you know, we don't have that Willy Wonka golden ticket yet. But I think we're on the right path. And so I want to make sure that I'm continually educating myself, you know, whether it be from other couples or pulling in, you know, experts like therapists to really help to contribute to this podcast. So as I mentioned, you know, with every podcast, I'm going to ask couples, you know, what they hope to take from this. But let me just explain what I hope to take from it. I really hope to understand how can you keep that initial spark ignited? How can you make the honeymoon stage, quote unquote, honeymoon stage last beyond just the the timeline of a honeymoon stage? And, and how can you be fully supportive without being controlling of your partner? I will recommend that you all read The Mastery of Love. And in fact, you know, if friends tell me that they're having trouble with their relationship, I'll, I'll probably first point them to this book and then second to the podcast, you know, after I have more content uh, live, but it really did help me. This is just the start. And as I mentioned in the beginning, I will continue to talk to you about my progress and what I'm taking from these relationships. You know, next week will really be the start of the couple interviews. I have a few lined up and I'm excited for you to meet some of these couples and, you know, hear their stories and understand you know, what works for them and, and see how you can apply it to your relationship. Thank you kindly for joining us on the podcast today. Between now and next time, visit us at www.couplecollective.com or follow us via our social channels at Couple Collective. If you've been enjoying the episodes or the podcast in general, please tell a friend, tell a couple, or subscribe via your favorite podcasting service. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be featured with your story, you can contact us via the form on the website or at 774-226-8753. Until next time, much love.